Welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast with me, Kathy Love. I'm a business coach who helps allied health professionals run powerful and profitable businesses in the disability sector. Join me for cutting edge interviews with leaders in the allied health and business fields, along with plenty of practical content that you can use to make your business practice perfect. My guest for a mighty fine business conversation is um, Yvette Latouf, speech pathologist extraordinaire from Speech in Focus in Sydney. Welcome. Hi, Kathy. Before we hit record, I, I reckon so much good stuff happens before I hit record, but I'm, I'm not yet brave enough to have record on when people come in. <laughs> we were talking about... Um, opening the doors and the windows and we were talking about um, cleaning and cleansing the environment and the and the mind um, let's kind of start from from there how does how does that stuff kind of work work for you I think it's about redefining your space your workspace and people's workspace it's about recognizing a good clean out is cathartic it makes you have a sense of autonomy and control, but it also gives you a chance to stop and reflect what's going on. It's also brain dead time mm. um, where you're not actually thinking strategically. You're just actually doing the physical removing of things that in some ways helps your brain recalibrate and offload all that heaviness that you've been carrying. It's a bit like that sort of philosophy, a clear space is a clean mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Yvette was reasonably alarmed when I held up my half-burnt bundle of white sage and I did explain very clearly what it was and what it wasn't and that from time to time when I feel I need to clean and declutter and cleanse my work environment, as much as anything, it's about kind of getting some fresh air through my mind as much as anything. So um, we both agreed that this is something that we do. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I could probably say at this point that when I first started using white sage um, at home, uh, our teenage children were both alarmed and delighted at the fragrance. And um, there was some really hilarious, robust conversation that evening around the dinner table. So, um, yes, just uh, be prepared to potentially have to explain yourself if you're going down the white sage route. Well, we use frankincense. That's culturally we've always oh, used frankincense. So frankincense for us is that moment where you're taking that moment to stop and just enjoy your senses and connecting with the spiritual realm. So frankincense has been featured at home all through COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My frankincense is on its very last drop. So thank you for that reminder. So um, the word COVID has come up. What are we? You know, three minutes in. So... Um, How's the year been for you guys? It's been a phenomenal year. It hasn't It's been a year of wins, a lot of wins through a lot of challenges. It's given us a huge opportunity to take stock of what our business is, the directions we want to take, and the stoppage in COVID forced us to do that. It forced us to just take stock of where do we want to take this where is the business going to thrive and let's go beyond our comfort zones. 
So we were able to embark into telepractice. We were able to continue that with a hybrid approach when we resumed face-to-face. It's forced us to look at what are we doing as a business? How are our um, standard operating procedures working? Do Do our team know where we're going as a business? So it really helped us to stop and take stock of every facet of the business because the COVID made us think how we're going to survive this. But rather than just pure survive, we've actually gone to thrive. Yeah. 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 So describe your uh, vibrant little business for us now. And I'm just using little in a very temporary sense. Yeah. It is, it is small. It's a small-scale business. It's not as large as the ones that have big teams. We have two directors, um, George, my husband, he actually has the responsibilities of the front of house, which is the practice management side, as well as the financial management of the front of house. So he steers all of the bookings, the inquiries. He engages from a customer service point of view. He's the salesperson of the team. Um, but also he's the IT guru of the team. So he makes sure all our electronics infrastructure as information systems are all operational so we have a streamless service delivery. Um, yeah. And he also looks at it from a different perspective because he's not a speech pathologist. He comes in with fresh eyes. He's come back from he's come from a corporate education background. So that he brings in a different perspective on how things should look. And he's very comfortable with the corporate organizational structure where everything has a system and there's a reason behind the systems. So that's George's role. My role, I'm the other director. Whereas my focus is whilst it's customer service, it's supporting the speech pathologists in the team, as well as providing consultation to more of the complex cases. And uh, then we have one full-time speech pathologist who's been with us just before COVID started. So she's embarked on this roller coaster journey with us. <laughs> and we're just making sure that she's safely buckled in and, and she's got a lot of cushioning <laughs> and supports to help her journey through this in a most um, comfortable possible way then we have two speech pathology assistants who've been onboarded in the last two weeks they started as speech pathology students when we opened the practice here in Belmore and now have one semester left to go so we've been able to offer them a speech pathology assistant role for the duration of the year and I've been onboarding them and coaching them for the last 10 days so it's a really Mm, interesting place Yeah, we've never had speech pathology assistants before. And what's been great is because they've been championing our service for the last three years and our clients have recognised who they are and they're actually thrilled to have energy and have people who are ready to embrace their their children or their needs, especially for adults as well. And it's been a great shift. We're loving the shift. Wow. So what will their role be in the next sort of six months? Well, this is the interesting bit because they're getting a a taste of what it's like to be part of our team, to be part of our service now on the clinical service end as opposed to the customer service end. And they've been already invited to consider what it would be like to be ongoing have ongoing employment as speech pathologists once their transcript comes in. Mm-hmm. 
So this has been a really good chance for them to understand what it takes to be part of our team and to give them the skills through the coaching because we I coach them quite closely and to give them the opportunity to really think, is this the type of speech pathologist they want to be? And so far it's been a really powerful, positive 10 days. They've walked out going, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. That is very, very cool to hear and it's a really interesting perspective to be taking given the challenges of recruitment at the moment and I do fear of what's going to happen if you keep recruiting in the same way, if you keep trying to bash your head against the, that's a dreadful expression, we'll need to edit that out, but if you just keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same results. That's right. um, I think business owners need to be thinking about different methods and different results. Yeah, because in the past I would have just simply jumped into recruitment, find someone, onboard them. So this is the first time I've actually thought of let's go outside of get a speech pathologist in, let's go with a speech pathology Mm. assistant. It took a lot of research to make sure that the speech pathology assistant role is ethical and is abiding by a code of ethics and by NDIS's um, requirements. And once we looked into it, it was seamless. It really was. The challenge was knowing how it was going to work. The challenge was messaging to existing clients how it was going to work. And when you message that the quality of care is abiding by a standard and that we're ensuring that that quality of care is being maintained to the best of that person's ability and that we'd be ensuring that I'm overseeing their care, it was really that they brought it in. The buy-in was great. We got an 80% buy-in. And for that 20%, I knew the speech pathology assistant role was not going to be a benefit to them because their type of care they were looking for was different and that was absolutely okay. I had no problem with that. Yeah. Wow. More than doubling your team in a week. There's a statistic for COVID. It's it's about leveraging what you've got and say, okay, what can I leverage? Rather than going, I've got to add more. Let's see what skills we have within the team and leverage that. These two practitioners, almost practitioners I've known since 2017, why would I be looking at marketing for a new speech boss to join the team? We've all got two who are really 12 weeks away from graduating. Yeah, very, very cool. And it it sort of speaks to your uh, appetite for innovation and your appetite for risk as well. And it was a risk of knowing that it's possible rather than a risk of let's see what would happen. Mm. These people have been onboarded and they already know our philosophies, they know our vision, they know our mission. They've been tried and tested so many times, especially with the changes in covid looking at KPIs, measuring outcomes, following SOPs, they came on board. There was no pushback. Yeah. But then there's also the risk of inaction and the risk of waiting for that perfect speech pathologist to just float past your door and knock and politely come in and say, here I am as well. The risk of not being innovative and the risk of not doing something kind of radical. It is radical. Um, It pushed me out of my comfort zone to some extent, but it was due to lack of knowledge and lack of belief that it's possible. Mm. I thought, well, hold on, COVID forced that. (laughs) COVID forced to rethink. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just about to say, do you even know where your comfort zone is anymore? No. No, it's gone. It's gone. It's like, where where are we going to go next? What are we going to do next? Yeah, Uh, what can we break? Yeah, Yeah. um, 
it's been great actually. This year's been challenging, and it's been always onwards and upwards. But we've had we've had we have a strong guidance. Your coaching and having a coaching group and having access to so many people who already know where to journey has meant that I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, yeah. Brains trust. Yeah. Brains trust. Now. Um, Based on how you introduced uh, George and his role, uh, I think everyone at the end of this podcast is going to want a George in their business. But I do happen to know that it's only been a couple of months that you've been a husband and wife business team. Absolutely. What, uh, what do we need to know about that? Oh, the buy-in to being a husband-wife team takes a lot of discussion at first. It's not an automatic thing, come on, hubby, come on board, or come on, wifey, come on board. It doesn't work that way. It's a compl- you have to be 100% buy-in. It's an all-in or nothing. So you're either 100% in the business or you're out. We had to do a lot of swim lanes activities. We sit there and brainstormed a whole half a day exactly what my roles would be, what his roles would be, and then they would adjust it quite frequently. Um, move those sticky notes. We constantly move them. <laughs> and the onboarding process for George, because he heard about the business, he heard about the practice, but never had to invest into being actively involved. He was more supportive, but now he's actually the cogs of the system. He's one of the central cogwheels. So we we worked on a 100-day onboarding system. Oh, you did, did you? Yeah. So Pretty we... Cool. Yeah, we had to because there were so many elements of the practice that was known to me but foreign to him. He had to understand the nature of speech pathologists, what we do. He had to understand how to deal with the customer services side. He needed to understand our practice management system. He needed to understand how speech pathologists work. He needed to understand how our schedules were booked in. He needed to understand how to even triage and take on inquiries and how to respond to queries. He needs to learn the vocabulary which we use. So that was a huge onboarding process. Mm. Um, the amount of back and forth questioning that we did, we scheduled frequent meetings that we actually said, okay, what's the focus of this meeting? What's the point? What do we need to discuss? So we had a lot of frequent times where we took time to stop and reflect. Um, it, he's now outside of that 100-day onboarding and he's pretty much 90% autonomous of me so it's been great Uh, but you can't just expect someone to slot in because they're your partner in life and they should work out what you're thinking and where you want to take it we had to really discuss what was our vision what was our mission how we were going to present as a team how we're going to present professionally how we're going to impact on the existing team members in terms of dynamics so there was all of those elements that had to be factored in yeah do you remember when he said that he had no idea all of the roles that you did and all of the responsibilities that you had and all of the hours you put in? He didn't realise what it was by way of load that you carried? He was blown away and he's still blown yeah. away. Um, he's blown away with the extent that what seems to be it small little practice has a lot of responsibilities that's over and arching mm. beyond making the place look nice and play with kids and clients and just do talking. 
what he's realised is when he came on board, he thought he could still dabble into his other interests and he now can see that... <laughs> he hasn't got time now. <laughs> no no time interest at all. George. No hobbies, George. But he now sees how much more he can contribute that's yeah. beyond my own skill set. Mm. Um, the way he engages with clients is phenomenal. Um, the way he has networked into our local business neighbourhood has blown my mind. Mm. He will go down the street for a coffee and will engage with local business owners and he would be selling up what we do. He became <laughs> my promotional team for the local business one, neighbourhood. One latte, three clients later. It's been pretty much like that. Um, Classic. Yeah, it's been amazing because I've been here for three years and no one knows who I am because I've been so busy working in the business and on the business, I had no time for that. Mm. By him coming on board, it's freed me up to work on the business while he works in the business on the marketing, the customer yeah. service team side. He can do the stuff where he's got brain space for, which I don't. Yeah. It's that divide and conquer, um, whether you're operate, operational or more strategic, and um, that seems to be kind of that, yeah, place you're at with differentiating um, who does what on those domains? Yeah. And one thing that when he said, oh, I can't believe how much she did, and I've actually corrected him on that. I said, I dabbled a lot as a leader. I didn't do proper leadership, though. I didn't manage the practice well enough for what it deserved because I was split into so many directions. The fact we've been able to share the load, divide and conquer, things are done properly now as opposed to dabbled in. And I think that's something you said in the outset when we first met, Kathy. The one thing a practice owner needs to do is have a good practice manager on board. If you don't have that, you might as well not bother. Yep. Really? Yep. So true on a, so many levels. If you can't have someone who's managing the business side of the practice, the front of house side, the customer service side, you can't do it well. Things are going to yep. go wrong soon or later. Sooner or later, it's got to go wrong. And it's, it's sheer luck. She overworking overtime, killing yourself, keeps it going, but it's not effective. It's actually counterproductive. You won't succeed as a business owner doing it that way. Yeah. Well, you're a business operator yeah. versus a business owner without yeah. a good um, front of house co-pilot. Circling back to the leadership piece, how have your leadership skills changed in, you know, the last six, 12 months? Oh, wow. <laughs> I haven't had time to stop and reflect on every level, but one thing certainly I'm more self-aware of how much I was trying to be a colleague versus a leader. Oh, juicy one. Let's go there. Yeah. You can't be colleague and leader. It's like you can't be a parent and a friend when your kids are young. You have yeah. to be the parent and then eventually they'll respect you when they've matured and will have to be a colleague. Um, team needs someone who understands where they're going and can guide them and lead them. They don't want someone who's busy doing the work and then leaving them to work out what's going on next. You've, mm. got to, you've got to ask those questions and you've got to investigate the answers before the team asks you those questions. And I think that's one thing I've learned. I need to spend thinking time. I need time to sit and think what's going on. Look at the numbers. Look at what's going on in terms of with the client mix, mix. What's going on in the marketing? Where do you want 
the team to grow? What's their PD requirements? What does the practice need to thrive? Where are their missing elements? Those questions you have to actually ask yourself truthfully, unapologetically. It doesn't feel nice sometimes. It feels terrible. Mm, but you need necessary, though. You need it. You need that thinking time. Yeah. You need time to think it through. And you can't do that and, while you're a practitioner. And nor can you do it in the 10 minutes before the meeting. No. My best meeting, thank you, Donna McGeorge, Oh, let's just (laughs) praise the Lord. Where's her book? Oh, it's on the other side of the room. I can't tell you how many colourful sticker notes and highlighters I have in her book. Her first thing said, a meeting must must be planned. You must plan your meeting. You must spend a good two hours of that thinking time to make that team meeting do what it's meant to do. And we know it, but I did it, especially when I did the COVID life cycle in terms of the continuum, how about growth. And and I actually, it was the most powerful meeting I had in 30 minutes that I could ever say I ever had. Why do we have this default of 60-minute meetings? Because we inherited a system that had someone set off yeah. an idea and we have no idea why. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you've found her book, The 25-Minute Meeting, super powerful. Have you read the other one? the the first two hours i've got both (laughs) yeah and i i interchangeably go across the two and i find once i've read a chapter i take one or two key things but it doesn't stop there i've got to go back and reread but that's what's perfect about her style of book is you can just dance in and out of it yeah so it's it's been really powerful the key message i've taken from that is segmenting my time well my emails don't get looked at till I'm ready to look at them and I filter very quickly what's important and not. Mm. Um, Recognising my energy levels is best spent to do the best thinking in that first two hours of the day. Yeah. Even um, making time as a leader, you know that bit where you talk about are you the walking encyclopedia that everyone always wants to tap in and ask you a question? <laughs> the FAQ department. Yeah, I've actually changed that to I can meet with you at this time and we can schedule it then. Then, when do you, you want to talk to me about this? That's fine, but this is when we're going to talk about this. Yep. yep. So I've changed up how I'm using my time, and I'm putting it following Donna McGeorge's suggestion is scheduling those times for when your brain is best geared for that, as opposed to using your best thinking time for that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So later in the day. Later yeah. in the day. It's low impact, low cognitive load. Yeah. Yeah. With the development of your leadership skills, what impact has that had on team and business? I'm understanding the business better. I'm understanding why KPIs are important. I'm understanding how to manage the customer service experience. I'm able to tune in to how teams feeling. Mm. Um, I'm able to look at it from a top-down approach. Um, it's a bit like I'm a bit more like the drone that's flying over the sky and going, okay, what's it doing? It's a bit like when you look at a beautiful Indigenous painting, you go, if you look at it at the dots closely, you don't see the whole big picture. The so story, like, yep. So you've got to go back and take a step back and look at it mm. holistically and then delve into the details and then look back again and delve into the details. It's an ongoing process. Um, it's not an end point, it's a continuum. To what extent have you fallen in love with your business numbers? 
the ongoing relationship. It's my mis- my second lover. <laughs> I know. Um, well, it is now. Yeah. Um, Look, this time last year, we were kind of both in tears. I, I was beyond tears. <laughs> I-, I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get out of this horrible dilemma. Because I had that Lord Wealth profile, I love to sit and analyse. And I had the great opportunity rehabilitating after my knee surgery to sit there and create spreadsheets and look at my numbers and get those Excel spreadsheets up and going. And now that I've actually understood the numbers, it's so easy to interpret them and go, okay, what's it looking? What's it telling me? What's it telling me? Yeah. Yeah. And speech pathologists are well placed to interpret numbers because we're forever scoring things, but we've never been taught well how to score what's going on in our business. And you can't do it without being coached or taught. You can't just go, okay, let me look at my numbers because you won't know how to navigate that. I do have a great bookkeeping team. Um, They're really been great. I've never met them in person, but my gosh, they're so quick on Zoom. (laughs) And having them on tap has been critical to understanding the financials as well as my numbers. Yeah, and the shift to zero and getting all your books clean and correct means you've got data to work with and data that you trust. That's right. And I have a great working relationship where we're touching base sometimes two to three times a week. As a query comes up, I shoot an email and I've got a response that's within 24 hours, if not even an hour, and it's been great. That's where the COVID experience has been powerful. It's forced us to rethink how do we communicate with those essential business team members, um, the external team members. It's made it so more accessible and so more feasible. Um, It's also uh, in real time. Yes, it is. Because uh, COVID demanded you to be looking at your numbers every 24 hours, 48. A week was almost too long if you think back to uh, April and May. So you needed that that clarity, that responsivity, but you needed complete confidence that your numbers were were good. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So you touched on the word business numbers. Can I get excited and can we talk about practice management software? Oh. Or are you just going to leave the meeting? No, no, not at all. <laughs> you know what's been really good is when you've got a system, this is like anything, it's like an old shoe, you're comfortable with it, you know how it works. Yeah, you know it. It's smelly, but hey, I like it, it's comfy. You know how to work around. But it's got no tread on it, it's got no grunt, it's got no grip, It's you're going to slip in the rain. You know, it's got holes in it, but you'll patch it up. Doesn't even look nice. <laughs> no. So our existing PMS is like an old smelly shoe. The shoelace is afraid. It's from the 1980s. It's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> um, so I've actually worked, this is a bit like in the leadership in terms of what's important, what's that one thing that you're going to need to do to change. Because we had a sudden changing team, I had to get the team stable get those people onboarded, make sure our customer service, our cash flow was going through nicely and focus well on doing one thing properly rather than dabble. Mm. Now the, the next project in 10 days is to get that PMS, new PMS coming on board. And I'm confident yeah. that I can. So it's not like I go, oh, my gosh, this is not going to get done. I'll leave it to hard basket. It's ready to go. But I had to get the systems, front of house, customer service experience really tidy if I go, let's get introduced a new system because it was a bit like the foundations were going to be so shaky. There were too many changes that no one knew where they were going. 
So yeah. I'm very not the excited. time to put on uh, not the time to put on heels. But I was, I'm very excited about the new PMS we want to move into. It's exactly oh, where we fantastic. Need to go. Yeah, Great. and it's going to optimize time. George is going to be so much happier <laughs> and a happy team. Eventually, it's a successful team. <laughs> happy team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What um so you've you've kind of got a new um refreshed team. What what are you all doing beautifully at the moment? It's peaceful. Mm. It's peaceful. It's peaceful because everyone feels certain that there's a plan. The leadership has actually got answers to questions. I'll give you an example of why why it feels peaceful. When we had a team change, and this has happened to a lot of practices, um, where people resign. The first thing people do, oh, my God, panic. What are we going to do? Who's going to take on the load? Who's going to do this? I actually said to them, and I've never done this before, and this is a leadership skill that I learned, is don't give answers to questions when you don't have answers yet to give. Yeah. Say this is being researched and I'll get back to you when I have a clear direction. And I actually spent, as you know, a lot of time with you and a lot of time thinking, looking at the numbers, how is this going to work? And I honestly spent a solid week without giving anyone any indication of what was going to happen. Mm. I need to be very clear about what was going to work. And I was able to also communicate with the two assistants their buy-in to that service before I could say, right, let's launch into it. And I had that confidential conversations with them. I knew they were buying in. I knew they were ready for that. I knew my facts and then once I got it all sorted, I then spoke to each individual team member to check in how they were travelling and to get a picture of their sense of uncertainty, their fears of being loaded up because of the change. And when I presented the model of a new service option, the dynamics changed. People took a sigh of relief and go, oh, wow, she's got a plan. She's got it, yeah. She's got it. She actually knows what she's doing. She's not winging it. She's not going, let's see what today looks like. And it helped the team feel peaceful and settled because mm. there was a plan, there was a roadmap we're following rather than a let's see what happens and hope for the best. So the team feels peaceful. Everyone feels like, okay, we know where we're travelling. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's really, um, I was struck by your response to that um, resignation kind of piece uh, a few weeks ago and that you really went quiet on it, which um, was thinking time, was quite thinking time and you challenged the expectation that you would recruit, 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 get a speechy somewhere, cross your fingers for three months. Um, but, yeah, you took a different route, which is really, yeah, refreshing. Well, the market was showing me that it was going to be challenging. Yeah. You know, and I knew the type of team I needed. I knew the type of personalities that would fit well the team and I knew the energy the team required. I knew what our vision was. And I thought I'm going to be hoping for the best for someone who wants to buy in. But I got three months of almost like a pressure cooker that's going to explode if I don't have a plan. Yeah. And I didn't want and that hope, team. Hope, yeah, hope is not a strategy. <laughs> I, I used to use hope. Remember, Kathy, that was a very bad strategy. <laughs> and it got me hope. Very little. No. Optimism is one thing, but hope is not a business strategy. And I think in this economic environment that we're heading into, uh, yeah, you need a different toolbox than this time last year. 
you know, you can't hope for the best when you're dealing with people's lives, your yeah. team's lives, your your family's lives, your clients' lives. You can't hope for the best, not when you are intelligent, capable, and there's knowledge on hand. Then it's a fool's journey. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And a little bit of stubbornness kicks in and I think fear fear um, settles in and you just stick with what you know or what is conventional or what other people do and you're not looking for the, the windows and the doors and the other alternatives to the same destination. So... Um, and look, I'm excited about what we've got happening here. There's an energy shift. Um, having two people looking at things with a different set of eyes, it's so nice because I'm quite a few years on in my, my career and having people coming in ready to embrace their career, it's really, it's like a breath of fresh air. It really is. And it's lovely to see the energy that they had that I had at their stage. But my energy is different now. I've got an excited energy as a leader, as a business operator. Mm. And it, that, that's freed me up to be energised, to be a better leader because I know I've got those who want to be a, bit, a good practitioner. It's just, it, it does. It feeds on that energy. Yeah. What do you think the next 12 months are going to look like for you and team and just the planet? Where's my crystal? Oh, my crystal ball's not on my desk, you know. I smashed mine. <laughs> Did you? Um, you know, I, I'm looking for, I wouldn't call it stability because stability is gone in terms yeah, I of think, you can't call it I think that's a now. safe game. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure about the word stability. And, I don't, and please don't say organic growth because, you know. I'm not putting fertilizer no. on anything here. <laughs> no, it's no. four-letter words. Um, Yes, I was waiting for you to swear. I was going to mention this is a, usually a G-rated show. The editors have edited plenty of uh, fruity words out, but no. you, you can go there. I, it was kind of what I was expecting. No, my angry song playlist has helped that out. <laughs> that was just terrifying. <laughs> no, I think the next 12 months, it's going to be an interesting time because I feel energised. I feel like the, as opportunities come up, I feel more confident that we can say, look, what's going on? What can we do? Um, I feel this business and the practice is going to be stronger. Even though it's small, it's going to be much stronger to understand where it can grow, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the practice itself, the premises is tiny. It's not big. And recognising that let's leverage what we've got now and make it do it well with the view of growing physical space mm. and physical team. But it's a bit like do what you've got well, get it right before you launch into the next project. And I think that's what I'm yeah. excited about. It's not about let's get bigger because I know I can, but let's You get don't want this. bigger problems. Yeah. Do I, you? No. No. It's like do this well and get it exactly where it needs to be, where I can take out those staycations. We can get those holiday breaks. And I think that's what I want to see. It's not make the business grow and have this ego boost. It's more about this is what I want it to do, is to grow well and make it the practice where people know they're going to get quality. It doesn't have all the big bells and whistles in terms of magnitude and size, but, wow, we pack a punch with what we do. Yeah. You know? And I think that's it's more a philosophical rather than a physical growth. It's more of an infrastructure growth rather than let's get bigger and shinier. 
And I think that's where we fall into the trap is, oh, let's do more physically, but let's do better rather than more. Yeah. Yeah. Often in business, less is more. I agree. Yeah. Plenty of small businesses are completely and utterly batting way above, punching way above their weight. Uh, in terms of lifestyle and the time and money and joy rewards that the business owner gets. And so, um, yeah, to go uh, fast, you go on your own, but to go, you know, long distance, you need a a team. And um, it's about having those foundations in every sense in place and um, so that you can be strategic and control control the change and control the future rather than always a kind of adapting to it. You can kind of set the, set the agenda a bit. And I think the business, we're in a much better headspace to do that well now, much better. And we know that there's a lot still to learn. The journey is ongoing, but I'm a lot more confident with our ability to take that on and do it better and do it well and yeah. to get the joys, to get the financial rewards. Because we want the financial rewards. We want the joys. We're starting to get some joys. The fact that we can actually have lunch dates is amazing. Uh, We can duck home and catch up with the kids for a few hours before we come back and close up the practice. It's great. Um, And that's what we wanted to buy in. The the fact that we're working in a local neighbourhood, which is our local community, is great. So we're getting a little, little wins. And now we're seeing our... Cash flow grow because we have someone focusing on that. And that's that's a bit that people don't like to talk about as cash flow, but my gosh, it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. That money is a form of energy. It gives you the ability to make choices. It sure does. Mm. Anything else that you uh, envisage in the next six to 12 months? No, I think they're very realistic. <laughs> They're realistic. <laughs> they're realistic and they're achievable. Yeah. Um, really, it's recognising what's achievable and doing those well and then move on to the next ones. Rather than going, oh, I'd like to do this, I'd like to do that, and then always have a sense of failure if they're not achieved. I really like to achieve things that are manageable and having a clear direction and getting those big rocks, getting the PMS right, having this team in a good place, doing what we've got well, and doing it properly is enough for me right now. Mm. Yep. It's enough. Yeah. Yeah. As I listen to you speak, I, um, I, I keep thinking about that expression, the business will only be as good as you are, and that your level of success, you know, is, is the, yeah, your, your level of success will never exceed, you know, the level of personal success and personal development. It's really true. Yeah. There's another phrase that I can't remember where the heck I got it from, (laughs) whether it's some stuff from Harvard Business School or Forbes, and they've been great with their leadership stuff that's been coming out recently. Oh, Forbes have been, they've both been outstanding, haven't they? I've read so much of their stuff the last six months. There's one thing that I think is a really important lesson for all business owners. You You only get what you tolerate. (laughs) <laughs> I think I've heard that before. I love I it. I've heard that before. Yeah. Because if I tolerate people coming poorly groomed and poorly presented to work, they're going to think that's okay and I'm going to get that. I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's Keith Cunningham. 
Yeah. If I tolerate someone showing up to our daily stand-up meetings two, three minutes late, they're going to keep doing that. Yeah. If I mm. expect a certain standard, it's going to get delivered, you know. Mm. So as a business owner, you will get what you tolerate. So if you have that clear expectation, you communicate what's expected well and you model it and you communicate it, it will come. But if you don't communicate it and don't model it, it's not going to happen. And I'd say that's probably, I'd say that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned this year. Ah, really? That's, wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, we know very well not everyone infers well. We know very well not everyone can read our minds. We don't have Bluetooth to each other's brains. But as a Thank business... God. Just please don't <laughs> suggest that to anyone, Yvette. No. no. Um, George, no. No. <laughs> but I think if you don't explicitly state the expectation on things and you hope, you hope, optimistically mm. hope that they'll work it out, you'll come out disappointed. You've really got to make it clear as a business leader that what the expectations are very clear in the piece. And if they miss it, you need to communicate it. And it's an icky thing, but if it's done in a, from a place of love and of respect. It's necessary. That's right. Unapologetically necessary. Mm. Mm. Um, and it's one thing that we did as business owners to operators is we did daily stand-ups and end-of-day wrap-ups. Wow, they've been powerful. That's another thing that we're doing. still doing them? Yep. They're still running? Great. Yeah. So we get it down. They're lean and mean, five minutes. Lean and mean, five minutes because it's a quick touch base. Where is everything at? What's your goal? Anything changed since yesterday's close of business? Anything we need to do to make the day better? What's your targets for the day? What's your goals? End of day is what are our wins and what's our plan? That is amazing. That's good. And the stories that are coming out, it stops that repeat communication across the team. The drama as well. Mm. Yeah. And it means that we start together, we finish together. Love it. Love yeah. it, love it, love it. You guys have just had the most incredible year. <laughs> Phenomenally crazy year. There's a good. few months left. I... Uh, don't quite yeah. know what they'll bring. Well, I've got a bit of an idea what they'll bring, but phenomenal year. It's been it's been a year of phenomenal growth, mm. uh, but the choice we made to grow, Kathy, we chose to grow. We chose and do the to work. Yes, we chose and it. do the work. Yeah, we chose. Yep. We chose to go. No, we're going to make this happen. I remember when COVID hit, and getting home after an exasperating day of constant changes from Department of Health and the federal government. And I remember clearly saying, I am not going to let this beat me. I'm not determined. I'm determined to not go down with the ship. We're going to steer this and we're going to get through this. And I remember making that very emphatically clear. And I haven't looked back since. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good story. Thank you so much for sharing it today. Absolute pleasure. Would you like the final word? Where's the scotch? It's 11 in the morning, of it. Uh, I haven't had a drop of alcohol for over six months, so that's just a euphemism of how much it'd be nice. Because um, <laughs> I've been on meds for over 12 months yeah. for pain. Yeah. Honestly, the final words really is as business operators, you've got to want it. 
and you've got to want to do the work to do what you want. It's not going to happen just by she wanting it. You've got to roll up your sleeves. You've got to get your hands dirty. And you're going to have sleepless nights. You're going to have tears, but you're going to have tears of joy as well as anguish. And it does get better. Mm. I think oh, they're my final words. So good. Thank you so much. Yep. My pleasure. We well, are a speech therapist, so they, they could keep going on. So we'll have to get you back next year for the next instalment. Oh, why not? <laughs> yeah, Post- like it, George. Let's invite George. Oh, he'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. I might just get George and hear his perspective as well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks, Kathy. You have a great day. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. For show notes and other resources, please visit practicemadeperfectpodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes and continue your business adventure with me. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Private Practice Made Perfect podcast is brought to you by Experts on Air Podcast Network.